Welcome to the Hardware Asylum Podcast Extras. In this episode, we talk about the allure of Fallout 4 and Skyrim. We take a brief look at the Sapphire Radeon R9 Fury. I'm your host, Dennis Garcia. With me today, I have Darren McCann. The holiday season is ripe with hanging out with the family, getting presents, you know, at least in the Americas. <laughs> But that only takes up like maybe an hour out of the day sometimes. So you spend a lot of time either watching TV, watching football, or playing games. Definitely playing games. Definitely playing games. I put several hours into Skyrim. I wanted to play the, the two DLCs that I'd never played when I bought the original game. And you got something on the PlayStation 4, correct? I did. Well, I think we talked about most anticipated games a, a podcast or two back. And I mentioned that, that Fallout 4 was the one that I'd anticipated spending the most amount of time with. Mm-hmm. And shocker, that is true. So well, I, I'm not really shocked. Uh, I know, I know. Yeah. Now, I've spent a lot of time in the Fallout games in general. I've played all of them, even some of the weird ones and the top-down shooters and stuff. Oh, wow. So I've, I've, I'm a big fan going way back to the original turn-based Fallout stuff. Okay. So I like the universe a lot. It's kind of irreverent humor, really appeals to me. And... Is Most it? importantly, um, Fallout has been a game that I've enjoyed playing on the console. PC Master Race, yo. I know, I know. But the nice thing about Fallout is it's very controller-friendly, and Fallout 3 was especially good at this. Things have changed a little bit with Fallout 4, which, honestly, I'm still really enjoying on the console, but I do kind of miss PC play, so I should say that. Okay, so PC play, is that where you... It's turn-based, right? Well... Or so, is it PC play being personal computer you, play? You brought up probably the most interesting and polarizing change in the game. Well, one of two. So let's talk about that. Okay. So Fallout 3 has the VATS system. In fact, a lot of the Fallout games do. But what VATS is is the ability to pause the game with your targeting, and you can go in and based on your skills and your setup and your weapons and stuff, you can target uh, the opponents, and it lets you pick out the shots and your VAT system will tell you their strengths and weaknesses if you have that skill, your percentage to hit, uh, what their resistances are if you have the right skills. So it gives you the opportunity to basically stop combat, make an intelligent skill-based decision, which is the RPG element, mm-hmm. and then push the button and see what happens. And you have a certain amount of action points, which is where the turn-based element happens, that you can spend in this VAT system. So that's Fallout 3, probably the perfect implementation of that particular uh, action point system. Okay. So Fallout 4 has the same system, but it amps it up just a little bit because it doesn't stop time. It slows it down, though. It does. So my wife used to refer to Fallout 3's VAT system as cheat mode. Yeah, I could see that. I because, mean, you could like target and, oh, i got to make some popcorn. And it really lets you uh, go into, from gaming, the term min-maxing, which is taking the max amount of points in the areas that affect your ability to kill efficiently mm-hmm. and minimizing in the ones that have less effect on combat, essentially making a pure combat player. And okay. that was the most successful in Fallout 3. On Fallout 4, that's not so easy to do. And there are a lot of reasons for that, but the most important is that it doesn't stop time. So you have to be very on top of how many action points different actions take. Mm-hmm. So you might have a really rockin' forty five caliber sniper rifle, but you might only be able to get two shots off before you're out of action points, and then these guys are coming, and mm-hmm. they don't stop. 
So you have to have a little bit more well-rounded character, and that's the first major change. I want to get to the second one in a minute. Mm-hmm. But first I want to talk about the character building experience, which is dramatically improved. So in Fallout 4, the game starts with you identifying and building up a character, and the system lets you tweak everything, skin color, shape, size, of your hair, eyes, face, nose, facial hair, you name it. And I've seen some really pretty cool <laughs> uh, pictures out there. In fact, today I saw Danny Trejo had created a character that looks exactly like him, and he plays in Fallout 4. Pretty cool. So yeah. you can yeah. look for that on Facebook. Machete kills. So you want to build a machete. It's out there. And I'm told, Dennis, that if you have the PC, that you can copy the code for what your character looks like and share it. So maybe you could go out and actually just look at the code for that, and suddenly you're Danny too. But beside the point, at the beginning of the game, you choose whether you want to be a male or a female, and you can basically design the look of both characters. And if you don't know what's going on, big spoiler, you might spend a great deal of time on both the male and the female. Unbeknownst to you, you're going to lose that spouse almost immediately. So don't do it. Yes, I learned the hard way that if I make the male character look like me and the female character look like my wife, it makes the wife happy, but it was a waste of time. Yeah, because one of the characters. The next thing that you do is you build up your character stats. Now, you have a limited amount of points that you put out there in uh, several categories, and they abbreviate to special. And I'm not going to go into a great deal of detail here, except for I had my six-year-old son help me design my character. Danger. I thought it would be fun and it would maybe create some challenge. Danger. So my son decided that I needed to be very strong because that seems important for survival to my six-year-old son. And it sounded good to me. So I put a lot of points in that. And then my son liked the description of lucky, the L in special, Mm -hmm. because it lets things just randomly go your way, which is really cool. So I spent a lot of points there too. Very strong, very lucky. Sounds good, but not very smart. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not very charismatic. Yeah, that's like... Not yeah. very intelligent at all. Um, Somebody rolled bad in D&D, <laughs> creating your character. Not very perceptive. Uh, did I miss any of the letters? I must have. But anyway, uh, the long story short is that uh, strength directly translates to how much physical damage you do. But in case you missed my description earlier, while you're trying to whack somebody with a board and a nail, they're trying to shoot you with a laser gun or a Vulcan machine gun or any number of things that will reach out and touch you. Not a great decision. So you made a bruiser. Yeah. Lucky. Very cool. Very, very random. So I found out pretty quickly that I needed to spend my points in other skills. Now, do you get points as you level up? You do. And as funny as this sounds, it's been a while since I played Fallout 3. It took me a couple of levels before I remembered that I could upload and upgrade my basic skills, not just adding additional skills in the skill tree to it. So I spent points on scavenging and on my gun skills, and then I remembered, oh, yeah, I can make myself smarter or more charismatic, and that opens up other skill levels. Mm -hmm. And the way I like to play the game means that I am gradually converting my guy to a rifleman, maybe a bit of a sniper, and... Yeah, basically adding science so I can get the cool weapons and equipment because you do get access to the, I guess, battle suits, which are kind of like a mech armor fairly early on. All right, so uh, if I can back up a second. Uh The the skill trees unlock things that you can do, like you can craft or or build or something. Yes, that's the second great thing. I'm glad you brought that up. Okay. So crafting 
not so much like you'd think from an MMORPG, but crafting is a huge element, and it's more like scavenging. So the game allows you to build uh, settlements. So as you're rescuing people, you can invite them to your settlement, and they will uh, come and live in your area. But that means that you have to provide them with power and food and defense and places to sleep, etc., Greedy bastards. I know, I know. So the game allows you to scavenge all kinds of craps. Ashtrays, cigarettes, uh, guns, leather. I mean, you can kill weird radiated animals and take their skin. <laughs> so you're, you're picking up everything. I mean, I'm t- picking up tin cans and stuff. So in that way, strength was a nice benefit because I can carry a lot of stuff right off the bat. The one advantage of being strong. Thanks, son. But... Uh, you never have enough of it. And as the game progresses, if you're more charismatic, Dennis, you can get your followers to scavenge and build supply lines between your different settlements. I'm not very charismatic. Yeah, well. So I end up muling stuff back and forth between my cities so I can build defensive turrets and try to build shelters and beds and that sort of stuff. And so I've been trying to work on getting my scavenging skills up. But it's all kind of micromanagey, and it's pretty optional. But there's something in the SimCity RTS player in me that says, ooh, I can build this cool city and try to build some shacks and have some people live there and try to keep them from dying. Um, yeah, that see, appeals to me. I didn't know that you could... Well, I should say, I figured that Fallout 4 would be just like you in the wasteland trying to do something to create... Right. You know, to get enough stuff so that you could complete a task. I didn't realize that you could create like an entire... Um, like you know, a society, if you, know, you will. Like, yeah. And there's a lot to it. Now, that leads me to the third thing that's very, very different about Fallout 4 from all of the previous ones. And it's very, very spoilerific, at least initially. But you'll get it within the first maybe hour of the game at most. And that is that previously there was no voice for the character. It was just you. And so you'd push the text tree answers when you're talking to folks. And there's no voice attached, but they would respond to you in real speech. And Fallout has always had a lot of speech. It's one of the strengths of it. In fact, just the game itself has a lot of ambient noise. You can sneak up on people, and they'll have really interesting conversations. And there's a lot of it, which keeps it really fresh. Mm-hmm. Before you kill them, of course. Oh, of course. You have um, to do something. Or, you know, whatever. But uh, play as a pacifist. It's been done. <laughs> but uh, the the game has your family taken away from you almost immediately. And your spouse is gone without spoiling it too badly. And the rest of the game is loosely structured around your search for your son who has uh, been taken from you. And there's a lot going on there that uh, is the active quest line. And it's kind of obvious, which is nice for folks like you and I that like to be distracted by side quests. So it's pretty obvious that this is a story advancing main quest. Eh, Maybe I'll ignore that and go and try to find somebody else. So that's nice, too. But it does give an overriding story structure that's a little less ambly than Fallout 3 was, and I like that. Okay. That that seems pretty pretty cool. Um, the thing, as you're describing it, I, uh, I've been making a lot of parallels to what you can do in Skyrim, and it's almost like, yeah, you could do that. Yeah, you could <laughs> do that. Oh, that's very similar. Oh, you could do that. Storyline, side quest, the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Um I'm not terribly surprised since Bethesda did both games. I but. agree. And Skyrim is a phenomenal game. In fact, I picked it up during the Steam 
winter sale so that I would have a version of it on the PC because I had played Skyrim also on the console. It really was one of those that was very easy to play on the console. But the mod community has done so many exciting things to Skyrim, as we've talked about before, that I couldn't resist any longer. And that yearning to play some of the mod Mm -hmm. stuff that I'm seeing wasn't being scratched by Fallout 4. So I'm looking forward to trying some of those mods. Well, supposedly there's already mods out for Fallout 4 on the PC. I know. I saw some guy say, hey, I can make Fallout 4 look like Borderlands. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's pretty cool. But it made the text like so you can read it and stuff like that. But it looked just like the way the Borderlands I've did. seen some crazy stuff already, and it's honestly kind of making me feel like this might have not been the best PlayStation 4 decision for me. Yeah. So uh, speaking of PlayStation 4, though, in terms of the way that the game is played, um, you know, Skyrim, for instance, I could run from, like, one side of the map to the other side of the map, and it never really looks like it's loading um, unless you go into a building and then it loads a completely new mm-hmm. map. Is that kind of the same way that it works on the on the console? Where yes. Where it uh, rapid loads and stuff like that? It, it really does. Now, it puts a huge chunk on your hard drive, mm-hmm. and the initial load times are high, and the, the maps are so big, you're going to do a lot of fast travel, which does bring the load time into it. So I think the way the PlayStation 4 deals with that is is the fog the viewing distance is smaller. Oh, yeah. But it is really clean. And the day-night cycle also is very impressive. I think it's around 20 minutes, although it feels much, much longer when you're trapped in the dark. Oh, yeah. Uh, in Skyrim, it seems like you are in the dark longer than you are in the daytime. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, if you fast travel, um, it advances the time to the same amount of time that it would be if you walked or rode a horse there. Yes, and that's still true, although it's less noticeable because there isn't a lot of story advancement that's based on the time. But what it does do is it allows some of your enemies to heal or regroup, which is kind of interesting. The AI is is stronger than Fallout 3 for sure, and the enemies, and it, this is helped a little bit by the VATs, seem much faster and more willing to flank. Mm-hmm. But it also has introduced uh, a lot more fun opportunities to have enemies fight each other. Oh, oh that's right. You were telling me about how you ran into some massive mm-hmm. mega boss that was hidden from everyone's view until <laughs> walked on him or something. Yeah, so one of the things that I like about Fallout in general and has been a bigger part of my game thanks to my incredibly efficient uh, build, thanks, <laughs> son, is that I, I've, I find myself regularly overmatched and it could be a group of uh, ghouls which is a real common enemy or super mutants which is a bigger build up or even just raiders which are are real common also and the raiders kind of your your mad max wannabes out there and what happens is there's a lot of if you can be heard which happens a lot when you're having a nice shootout enemies that are in the sound distance will come Oh, yeah. And they will not only attack you, but they will attack the other group if they're not the same type. So you mm-hmm. can find legendary enemies are the are the big goal. A legendary enemy carries a special or unique weapon that is randomly generated, and they're pretty cool. But they're obviously much tougher. Mm-hmm. As a bit of a rifleman coward... I find that it's a little bit more fun to try to shoot out them a little bit, lead them into an enemy batch, and then try to pick them off. Now, if you can get the kill shot, you get the experience. Right, and that's the important part. Mm -hmm. But you could have the group go and whittle them down a little bit so that you can get the kill shot, right? Exactly. And this is the other thing that's so much fun about the PC. You can generate enemies in the PC and 
stage these crazy battles. And I've seen a lot of these on YouTube where you have the, you know, the super mutants versus the, uh, you know, the death claws or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they can generate hundreds of thousands of things and they'll fight it out while you watch from a safe distance. No crazy. Which is freaking cool. It will. We used to do that in Borderlands, watching some of the the Super Hulks fight each other, and then they would like level up and stuff. Absolutely, and this one has that too, because the there are uh, mutants that will mutate as they take damage. Oh, cool! And you'll hit these. So if you can't do damage fast enough, they actually can and will get stronger. Hmm. And the enemies are much smarter with taking cover. God, they're deadly accurate with grenades, <laughs> and they will retreat and use health packs if they have them, which has made the game a lot more interesting and realistic. Mm -hmm. So I hope I've piqued your interest a little bit in Fallout. It's a phenomenal game and a huge, huge, huge time suck. I've probably put 20 hours to it over the holiday, and I don't even really feel like I've done much. In fact, about halfway into that, I started trying to just see how many new places I could discover just to see how big the world really is. Now, you get a little experience when you discover stuff, Mm -hmm. so it's kind of fun to level up. But you do a lot of find it and then run, find it and then run, <laughs> yeah, which is very interesting. But the world, very exciting, a little raunchy and a little violent, so mm. be warned. But there just isn't really anything else out there like it. Borderlands maybe is the only thing I can think of that comes close. Well, Skyrim, I would say, is probably the the sister game to that mm-hmm. in terms of the way that you described it and the way that the world is built. You know, you can fast travel into a city and then a dragon will show up. Oh, yeah. So the dragon, he'll follow you unless he gets uh, sucked in by the, you know, the town guard or something like that. So the dragon will go and land and town guard will go and whittle him down. So then you can come back and like do an arrow shot from a distance and and take the dragon soul and whatever you want. Um, You can try to go into a building, which will load a different portion of the map. But it doesn't matter how long you stay in that building because when you come out, the dragon's still there. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there's like a day cycle. And if you last out for a day, then the dragon will fly away and go to sleep or something like that. But that in game, that takes a long time for that to happen. Yeah. Well, and the same thing is true of Fallout. There have been a lot of times where I've been heavily wounded and out of food and stim packs, mm-hmm. surrounded by enemies, looking for a place that is far enough from them I can sleep. To trigger that cycle where right. now it's daylight, I can see what's going on, I've healed up, and I can try to get away. Yeah, and you can't fast travel when there's enemies nearby. And, and, you, and you can't sleep when they're nearby either in Fallout 4. Right. So it does force you to finish battles, but mm-hmm. stealth is your friend. Yeah, <laughs> But it is a huge time suck. I mean, I put in maybe 40 hours over the holiday in Skyrim. Basically, I started a brand new character. I played the main Skyrim game. I went through all of the major quest lines and a lot of the side quest lines that I knew I needed to have for certain perks and whatnot. Right. And then when I got to the point where I felt I was done with most everything I wanted to do, I started the um, the Dragonborn DLC. And that sends you off onto another island, which is, I believe, Morrowind. So you nice. run into a bunch of elves and stuff. And it's like a small island. And it's just kind of a little mini version of Skyrim. So you go, you have a main quest line that you're doing, and you have a bunch of side quests you can do. But there's no horses. There's no real reason to fast travel because you can walk across the island in an hour's worth of game time. So it doesn't take that much. So I started playing that, and then I have two more DLCs to play, including Dawn Guard, which is the the um, the vampire yeah and i expansion. played that one i thought that was a pretty fun storyline yeah i i really want to play that one but 
I'm scared to the point where I don't know if I need to become a vampire before <laughs> I play or if I need to do a werewolf track or if I can actually stay as a human. Because when you alter yourself to become a vampire or a werewolf, um, or lichen if you want to think it that way, you lose certain skills and you gain certain skills. Advantages and disadvantages. Yeah, it's it's a weight. And if you stay as a human, you can play basically as you've always played. Um, so I'm, I'm still weighing which one I want to do because... I think once you become a vampire, you can't cure yourself or something. I'm not sure exactly how that works, but I will figure it out. And then there's also the um, the Hearthstone. I believe that's what it's called. And that's where you get to build your own houses. Nice. So in Skyrim, once you become a thane of a city, uh, you can buy a house usually in some of the, the major capitals. Well, with the Hearthstone, you can buy houses, but they aren't in the city. It's just land. And then at that point, you can build onto some of it. And so you basically build this huge house outside of the city and becomes your little home away from home. <laughs> a little, little fort or headquarters. If Yeah. And, and really it's a matter of like, Oh, well I just need to have a bunch of gold and then I can build an alchemy lab or I can add an addition onto the house and stuff. So it forces you to go and loot some more stuff, go on side quests, you know, grab weapons, go and try to sell weapons at different vendors. <laughs> right. And, and uh, amass all those coins so that you can build a house. And then when you're done, go and do it again. So that one I see is more mundane. Do it once and then I'm probably done. But um, the uh, the Dragonborn uh, DLC, I think, is going to be the longest of all of them. Very nice. Well, I spent a great deal of time in Skyrim also. And I loved the feel of that game also. Mm-hmm. Although it was fun, I think, in a different way because of the fantasy element to it. It was more kid safe. So my kids like to watch me play Skyrim. They're really into the high fantasy element of it. Mm-hmm. So I can definitely recommend that as more of a fun game. In fact, both of these games tend to be fairly entertaining to watch. My wife will sit down and watch me play Fallout. She likes to give me a little bit of grief <laughs> for the decisions you make, but you know, Skyrim was like that, too. You could be a good guy, a bad guy. You could choose what factions you support. It really has, I think, a lot of replayability, and mm-hmm. it really has long legs. I can't believe how cheap you can get this if you haven't played yet. Oh, yeah. You can get, like, Legendary Edition, which has all the DLC. Well, when it was on sale, it was 9 bucks. Yeah, yeah. So and regularly in the 12 to 15 range if you're not patient. And I, I probably put 200 hours into it. Yeah, I got the, what was it, the Legendary Edition that came with Every game, all the DLC. So you could go all the way back to, um, you know, you could play Oblivion, uh, Morrowind, and then the two before that. I forget their names. But it came with all the games and basically a Steam key, except for the very first big game that was DOS-based or something like that. <laughs> back in the day, yeah. yeah so you got a, a Steam key, so you can download all of these off of Steam. Um, I don't know if I want to play Oblivion because from what I've been told, it's a very addictive version of Skyrim. <laughs> But, I liked Oblivion. But they, they play, they change a lot of stuff in the game to the point where like skooma is bad for you or good for you or something like that. And then in Skyrim, it's very addictive. Yeah. It's different. So, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to play it and then have to switch mentality of the way that the game was and the way the game should be or is now. Yeah. The Oblivion Gate thing was the, the big difference there where you go off into these other realms or, or universes, if you will, and fight these aspects of, I don't know, demons or devils or something along those lines. They're sort of vague about it. The Devil 13. The Devil 13. It's back. (laughs) Hopefully you got something out of Fallout 4. 
I, I have to say I can't recommend it enough. And definitely, if you haven't played in the Fallout world, Fallout 3 is a fantastic way to get into it and very cheap. Uh-huh. And you're going to get the same playability out of Fallout 3, hundreds of hours of it, without having to spend 60 dollars plus a season pass. And <laughs> it'll let you know what you're going to get out of it. Very console-friendly, as I've already mentioned. Tons yeah. of PC stuff. And if you don't like that post-apocalyptic tongue-in-cheek humor, then Skyrim is definitely the way to go. Yeah. High yeah. fantasy, similar gameplay, hours and hours and hours. Yeah, I have, what, 400 now or something <laughs> like that on my Steam profile. So definitely two games to look out for if you have some time, if you need something new to play, if you actually play games, you know. I know <laughs> we you hope listen, you do. We know you listen to the Hardware Asylum podcast where it's talking about liquid nitrogen, which that should be in the future. But if you're doing games, Fallout 4 and Skyrim. That's what I say. Dennis, I want to talk a little bit about this box that you've kind of provided on the table here. Now, we are looking at a a pretty cool new product. Do you want to tell us a little bit about it here? Yeah, let me uh, move the box around here. So uh, one of the benefits of going to CES is that I get to see some really cool hardware. And every once in a while, I get to bring it home. Very cool. So I have here a Sapphire Nitro R9 Fury. Now, this is the hot new R9 that's just been released. And I do believe that yeah. these are still pretty difficult to get. From um, as of this recording, you know, we went out to Google, and uh, this thing just got announced, according to the to some of the uh, news sites that are out there. So, yeah, it's way super new, but there is some information on the Sapphire website to supplement what we can see on the box. Uh, it's based on the Fury HBM. GPU, so we have the chips super close to the GPUs, super fast interaction there. Uh, it's clocked at 1050 megahertz with the memory at 1000. So a nice, fast, overclocked version here. This Nitro is part of the Sapphire Nitro gaming series. Mm-hmm. So much like the, what was it, the Vapor X, it has a specialized cooler on it. Very nice, the Tri-X cooling system, which looks great. And I might add is gigantic and heavy. Although it's not all like the card and the cooler because we have um, a much shorter GP, um, PCB for the GPU, which is one of the signatures of the, the Fury line from AMD. Uh, this card comes with a backplate. very ornate. It has the Nitro logo on it. And a great looking backplate. And the heatsink extends, I'd say, a good three inches probably past the back of the card, which makes this one of the longer cards that we've had in the lab in a while. Yeah, pretty similar to some of the, the 980 ties that I've seen. Um, we got three fans across here, which is that, that Tri-X cooling solution. Pretty aggressive pitch on these fan blades, too. But with the um, automatic fan controls that AMD has added to their cards, it will disable all the, well, turn off all the fans, or it might just run one fan depending on the load on the GPU. Which is nice, because these things can get noisy. And I know that AMDs have had a reputation for being power hogs, and it looks like this one is no exception. No, we saw on the specs it was pulling 375 watts at the GPU. Wow. Meaning you need to, like, what they recommend a 750-watt power supply for your system with just one card. Which seems conservative, honestly. It could be a little bit conservative. I... You know, what was it, for 980 tie? they recommend a 600-watt. So it's pretty 
pretty close to being up there, but that's still a big power supply. Now, this one is, of course, right out of the box, so we haven't had a chance to even fire this up and see what it can do. Yeah, I haven't even pulled the plastic off of this thing yet. <laughs> so we're we're red hot. This is literally a, a, a fantastically new card. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely taking AMD in a new direction. This is one of their flagships for their 4K, mm-hmm. and it supports, I know, several monitors. Yeah, we got uh, DVI on here. We also have three HDMIs and a Display Port. Uh, we get a dual BIOS button on the top, and Very we look nice. that up. That has the UFI and also the regular legacy BIOS, so you can run that on a new and old system. Now, this is the 4-gig edition of the Nitro R9 Fury also. Although, you know, according to the specs, they all have 4 gigs of memory, so that's not mm-hmm. terribly, you know, new, so to speak. But we also have the, the 4K, it supports the Liquid VR, and also the FreeSync, which is a, another... AMD technology or AMD pushed technology. Well, it's nice to see that is getting some traction finally for the AMD fans out there to to compete with the offerings that we're seeing from Nvidia. Mm-hmm. Now, Liquid VR is kind of impressive. I haven't had a chance to play with that yet, but I know that VR was also a huge push this year at CES. Yeah, they wanted to make it a um, a huge push, although it was more or less to correlate with the um, the headsets coming out and being announced with an actual cost. Right. You know, some of the displays I saw were people doing racing games with the VR headset on inside a car, and then the car would move around. <laughs> Very cool. Um, so Very expensive. So, yeah, really super expensive, you know, gaming chair. So um, looking at the card right now, we have, um, you know, a dual 8-pin GPU connector for the power. Makes sense. And inside here, which is something that I'll have to do when I pull the card apart, is look at the VRM on here, because this is something that I... You know, from an overclocking standpoint, you want to have a strong VRM. And I see that there is a very, very long heat sink connected to the board that goes all the way across the card. Well, that's a good sign. So um, it's kind of hard to tell, but I'm guessing that we have a VRM that takes up the whole height of the card, probably 10 to 12 phases. I'm and I'm looking at four heat pipes, mm-hmm. and it looks like it's doubling back over the GPU processor, so you're actually getting... Uh, more because you've got a yeah at least one double back there. So yeah. Some very active heat pipe technology in the heat sink. Yeah, we have at least four uh, large diameter pipes coming out the back, and if we have one looping over the GPU at the front, that's five. Um, admittedly, that is where the concentration of heat's going to be. So this first fan is probably the one that's going to spin most of the time. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So. Um, Great looking yeah. card. Yeah, great looking card. I, you know, when I got it, I was thinking, you know, great, I got a, a Fury card, so now I can do some testing. At the time, I didn't realize that it was as new as it was, so I'm gonna be uh, aggressively beating the whatever <laughs> so, out of it. So big plans for this one? Probably going to do the standard uh, test bench. We're going to do the regular games and then the overclock games, and I might pull it off. And if um, I can get a GPU pot on this. I might be doing some liquid nitrogen or maybe even dry ice. Sounds terrific. Well, folks, check back if you have not seen the review by the time you've seen this. I'm looking forward to seeing just exactly how far that AMD has come with the Nitro R9 Fury Overclock Edition from Sapphire. For more information on the topics discussed in this podcast, please consult our show notes on hardwareasylum.com. Stay up to date on the latest at Hardware Asylum by subscribing to our RSS. Follow us on Google or like us on Facebook. 
This has been a Ninja Lane production, copyright 2016. Thanks for listening. Thank you.